Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because the system is put in place, all you then have to do is learn to drive the system and then driving a car is easy. And it's the same in the business. Once you have that system in place, your team can be slightly abstracted from the, the granular micro details because you've given them the system that they can pull the levers and move things around and achieve the success that you're after. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Welcome to another episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. My name is Tyler Martin. I'm your host. I can't thank you enough for being here today. Our guest is Peter K. De Villiers. Peter is the co-founder and CEO of Maconta Software. They create a no-code platform that allows business owners to create custom CRM and business process automation. Peter is also a system and processes expert who works with business owners to help them automate their business and free them up from day-to-day tasks. Peter is the author of the best-selling book, Barefoot Business, where he shares three key systems that every business needs to succeed. Peter believes that systems and processes are not there to replace people, but help them deliver value. In this episode, we talk about the importance of having systems and processes, what can happen to a business without proper processes, the cancer of the two-minute task, and why it's important to track everything and learn to love data. Processes and systems are such a critical component to a scaling business. Let's start our discussion with Peter now. Hey, Peter, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing? I'm very well, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk with you. You're a systems and process guy, and that's near and dear to my heart. So I think we're going to have some fun conversation. But before we do, I'd love to know, what do you, what do, you do for a living? What do you share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm currently, I'm lucky enough to be CEO and co-founder of a business called Macanta Software Limited. And our primary product is Macanta, which is a no-code platform allowing business owners to create custom CRM and business process automation and the like. So I, I get to lead a team that are far more capable than I am in, in, the, in the actual creating of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I throw ideas at them and customers throw ideas at them. And I just sort of, I just manage the flow of that really. 
Yeah, that sounds cool. System and processes is a fun topic. You have a book called Barefoot Business. And before we get into some of that, I'd love to know where did the term barefoot business come from? Yeah, so I, um, as a general rule, providing it's sort of warmer than six or seven degrees centigrade, I tend not to wear shoes. And that's been, I grew up in South Africa where it tends to be the school that asks you to wear shoes, senior school. But I would, I would, by the time I'm out of the gate, I'd rather carry a pair of shoes home than than wear them. And it just sort of come from that. It's just my sort of, if I can get away with not wearing shoes, then that's what I'll do. And the sort of the book, the title, it just seemed quite appropriate for who I am and the way I like to go about things. Yeah, it's got a cool factor to it for sure. <laughs> so just processes and systems. Why is this an important topic in the world of small business and business ownership? Well, I think one of the big things is people look at their businesses and they think, oh, well, we don't have a process. We don't, we don't have processes. We don't have systems. But as soon as there's more than one person, let's say you employ five people in your business or 10 people, if you have not defined the systems and processes in your business, all that means is you've got 10 systems and processes because everyone's doing it the way they think it's right. And that leads to inconsistency for what the customer experiences and what they expect to experience and also what you as the business owner perhaps thinks is happening in your business. And it just means you're, it's almost as if, as if you're trying to build a puzzle that's floating on water and you think you're putting the puzzle pieces in the right place, but actually they're just sort of moving about and, and bobbing about. Right. Now, are there some common signs that a business would have that would say, wow, you really need some systems and processes here. Things are just, you know, out of hand or whatever. What are some of those signs? Yeah, I think one one that springs to mind is things fall through the cracks. Mm. And a big, a big indicator for me of that is that lots of effort goes into lead generation, but there are never enough leads or the leads are never good enough. And then when you start digging a bit deeper, you find, well, actually, no, there's a leaky bucket full of holes and there are enough leads. They're just falling through the cracks. And I think also another one is people constantly having to do the same things over and over. And there are elements of our business that we have to do over and over. But the way I like to look at it is that the vast majority of those things, whilst they need to be done, it doesn't mean the humans in your business need to do them. Um, and that's where the automation side of it comes in and have that and just freeing up more capacity in the business. Now, your systems and processes, at least from your book, are defined around three key systems. And it tends to be more on the sales process. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Can you kind of go through what those three keys are? And is there any reason why your book, you focus just around sales? Is that because it intertwines with the CRM as opposed to, you know, a lot of times when you think of businesses, there's a wider range of types of systems and processes. Yeah. So the the reality is that it's a bit of a layer cake, Mm. really. And the reason I focus in the book on these three key systems is just to simplify it down for people, to give them a point of focus, because otherwise it's this overwhelming thing. And the reality is the overwhelming thing spans the three key systems. <laughs> but if you can just start off by thinking of your, your business and saying, well, this activity in which of those three key systems 
does that take place? Now I've got a position to put it in and there's a lot more control that goes over it. And it just makes it a lot easier to then, on the one hand, design those systems, but also to identify them in your business. Because otherwise you're thinking, okay, I've got accounting, I've got finance, I've got CRM, I've got, I've, I've got all these different things. And yes, they are components in the business. But in reality, every business has these three key systems. Right. And what are those three key systems? Can you talk about each one? Yeah. So they are in the way that customers experience them. It's the lead generation client acquisition, and then client fulfillment. And they hand off to each other really cleanly from the customer's perspective. The lead generation system, for my money, no matter what business you're in, its only job is to get someone to raise their hand and say, I'm interested in what you do. We don't know how interested you are yet, but we know you're interested And the moment you give me the opportunity to do that, I'm out of the lead generation and now I'm in the client acquisition system. And this is now where we have more follow-up and more conversations and get clarity around, well, what is it exactly that you can offer? What is it exactly that I need? And do those things work together? And then for me, the client fulfillment starts the moment contracts are signed and money changes hands. At that point, I become a customer. Up until that point, you are working to get me to be a customer. And I think there's value within a business of actually talking about the leads and the prospects and the clients in those different terms so that we don't sort of almost count our chickens before they're hatched. Because there's the, the, a tendency sometimes in businesses to look at, well, look, look at all these people we're talking to. And it's like, yeah, but until the money changes hand, you can't pay the bills with it. You can't, you can't take the list of people you're talking to to the mortgage. Right. Yeah, that that's, uh, doesn't do you any good. Is there any common, like between these three phases, a client comes to you or a potential client, what, do you see any consistency in where they're having drop-offs in the handshake between those three areas? Yeah, the, drop, the main drop-off tends to be lead generation into client acquisition. Okay. Because lots of businesses, because they don't have systems and processes in place, this is more the case that once the lead is generated, they're so busy focusing on, I need to generate more leads, that in the client acquisition system, things then fall apart. And that's your first opportunity to disappoint someone. And then it's the first opportunity they go out the door. And then also the client acquisition, whilst it is not that often that moving from client acquisition to client fulfillment loses the customer, the first time the pain comes in when it's not delivered the way it was promised, that then repeat business falls away. And we know that it is far more costly and difficult to generate new leads to get one-time customers than it is to sell to the same customer by delivering the great service we promised. And those are sort of the two, two fault lines almost that I see across businesses. And in terms of, uh, like that lead generation process. Do you find, because I have clients that will come to me and they're recreating the wheel every month. So they're advertising, they're not remarketing back into past customers or even really other than the initial contact, even doing a good job of following up consistently until they either get a no or some type of event happens and it doesn't Mm. make sense 
continue to follow up. Do you see that often within your own client base? And does somehow your product play into mitigating this or creating a process so this doesn't happen as much? Yeah, definitely. So the part about not remarketing and everything, we're not involved in that side and and the, the PPC platforms sort of for the most part, take care of that. But once you've raised your hand, it's now my responsibility in the business to make sure we we build that relationship. And depending on what kind of business you are, for some people, you're in a really harsh environment where you've got 24 hours. And if the sale's not made in 24 hours or six hours or two hours, then you've lost the game. And and in those scenarios, that remarketing is even more important Mm. because I come and go and and I come and go to you as much as I come and go to anyone else. But in the longer sales cycles, it's um, a mentor of mine always used the phrase that it's not my prospect's job to remember to do business with me. (laughs) That's a great phrase. And that's why the follow-up and, and what our systems do and what, what our um, platform allows you to do is set up these processes that makes it extremely easy to just say, okay, here's this person. I've just spoken to them on the phone or we've just had an email conversation. This was the outcome. This is the next action. And this is when I'm going to take that next action. And at that point, I can forget about them until they appear on my dashboard again at the allotted time. And then my notes are there and I can see exactly what we talked about and what I said I was going to do next. So then I just go and I do what I said I was going to do. And it flows from there. And it gives you the flexibility that if on average it takes a month to convert someone, it allows you that, well, some will happen in two weeks, some will happen in two months, but nobody falls away. And it's not a case that it's this rigid system that, well, if you don't follow the line of the conveyor belt, then you fall off the end and we forget about you. It just gives you those sort of almost, it's a bit like the guiding tracks when the kids go temp and bowling. It just means everything heads to the end, but it might just bounce a few times off the sides. Right, right. I've heard you say you've used the phrase the cancer of the two-minute task. It's an interesting phrase. Can you tell us what that means and where you see this happen? Yeah. So sometimes people are, um, I don't know if offended is the right word, but they sort of push back against the phrase. And it comes from two places. One is my wife is actually a cancer doctor. So I have a reasonable understanding of it. But it's also the what I describe as the cancer of two-minute tasks is very invisible and insidious throughout businesses. Because we all, as business owners or our team, we all fall into this habit of, well, it's only going to take two minutes. I'll just quickly do it. It's going to take two minutes. I'll just quickly do it. I'll interrupt this really important thing I'm busy with to do this two-minute task because I think it's only going to take two minutes. Now, we use two minutes as a phrase. We all know some things take longer. But the reality is that our businesses are filled with these things. And you can very quickly do a calculation because, to be fair, using a system or automation to get rid of a two-minute task, one, you save two minutes. Nobody really feels that's worth it. But then you start looking, okay, well, actually, I do that 10 times a day. There are 10 people on my team who do that 10 times a day, five days a week. We are open 50 weeks of the year, working five days. If you're lucky, you're working eight-hour days. If you do that calculation in that way, you very quickly get to a point where if you could automate to the maximum those two-minute tasks and the automation would either do it or eliminate the need for it to be done, you free up 104 working days of capacity in your business. That's crazy. 
And any business, if I said to you, let's free up an extra 104 working days without you actually working more hours, you'd bite my hand off for it. Right. But in the moment, we think, oh, it's a two-minute task. I'll just do it. And the other, the other real impact it has, and this is really important for the leaders in the business, is you're doing these really critical, important things, but you interrupt yourself with these two-minute tasks. There's a really interesting book called Algorithms to Live By, where they did one of the chapters is a study that they did where if you are focused on a critical task and you're interrupted just for a couple of minutes, it takes you 17 minutes to get back to the level of focus you had before the interruption. And those 17 minutes is the gap where mistakes happen because you haven't got the focus back that you had before. So a two-minute task, the impact of it is actually never just those two minutes, even if it only takes that. That's sort of why I use that phrase, because it is so insidious and just infiltrates our businesses every day. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. That's sort of why I use that phrase, because it is so insidious and just infiltrates our businesses every day. There's such a hidden cost to the two-minute task is what we're basically saying. Is there Are there some common ones that should be automated that jump out at you? Yeah, and it depends on your business, but it, it's, it's things like moving data from your marketing platform or your CRM to your accounting platform. I mean, that's that's such a simple and such a quick task. But the problem is every time you have to type someone's name or email address in, it's an opportunity to get the email address wrong. And that creates an opportunity to lose that business because they think they haven't heard from you. You think you're sending all the emails and they're not replying, but it's actually that a mistake has happened. Another is, I was talking to a marketing agency about this, where they manage marketing projects. And for every client, they had go and create a folder in Google Drive, for instance, and then subfolders for the images and videos and copy and everything like that. Now, every project manager does it slightly differently, calls the files by a different name, whereas it's very easy to automate that when your CRM is told this is now a customer, it goes and creates the folder with a customer name and a unique ID, the project ID, and then automatically creates the subfolders. And the impact of that doesn't sound like it's a great deal. But what you have is because there's a naming convention, if any of your team want to know for this campaign, where are the photos that we're using? You only have to show them once because for every customer, they are in this, the, the file path is the same every time. And it just, it streamlines and creates efficiencies in the business. Apart from just the creating of those things, the knock-on effect is everyone knows where everything is. Yeah. It sounds small, but that naming convention, you know, it can be a hyphen, it can be an extra space, it can be capitalization versus all lowercase or whatever. But any of those can kind of throw off the system if you're trying to find something. So yeah, I could see the power in that. 
and you think it's not there when you go and look for it. So you create a new one and it's actually <laughs> just because it wasn't done right. It's fallen to the bottom of the list or, or, or whatever it is. And, and it's, it's really, it's those kinds of things that no matter what business you're in, they're there everywhere the whole time. And again, it, it compounds. So, okay, we save time by not having to create the folders doesn't sound like a big deal. We save time by not having to constantly remind people where things are. We save time because we're not being interrupted because someone's asking us every now and again, oh, where's this? Where can I find this? Where did we save this? Where did we save that? And all those things just add up and just balloon to this enormous benefit of efficiency to the business. Right. And then you're able to serve the customer better, which is with all this attention to detail, gives you the ability to give a consistent experience, be able to serve them better. So that's another, like when you think about the benefits of it, that's kind of standing out there and hidden if you don't don't think about it. Yeah, and and it's a big thing for us. For us, our focus on systems and automation isn't to get rid of the people in your business, but it's to free them up to actually do the work they are uniquely skilled to do and to deliver real value to both the customer and to the business. Because let's face it, you couldn't hire someone who's not overqualified to create folders in Google Drive. So no matter what you're paying them, they're overqualified. (laughs) And we ask people who we hire for particular positions to do so much that it's just grunt work, it's drudgery. Nobody wakes up in the morning wanting to do it. And if you can free up the time for them to actually deliver value to the customers, it can only benefit the business. Yes, yes. You know, in your book, you made a comment, we should track everything and learn to love the data. What are your thoughts on that? Like, what Some people are going to be like, ah, I'm not really a data person. So, so what are your thoughts around that? And, and why do you say that? Well, it makes making decisions a lot easier because Either the leads converted or they didn't. There's no middle ground. And either that person ended up paying you money or they didn't. And you can, without numbers, you can fool yourself in thinking, we're doing all right. We're we're generating some leads and we're getting business through and everything, but we're doing okay. Whereas if you actually get the data, you can then see, well, hang on, 70% of the leads we're generating don't become customers. And 50% of the ones that we have a first contact with, don't hear from us again for at least two weeks. Well, now I've got numbers that I can say, well, okay, let's try and shorten that time and see whether that improves. It it gives you levers that you can pull to, to start affecting the success of your business rather than just having this almost mist in front of you that you're trying to, it's almost like trying to roll a snowball uphill and it's, you're really careful with it, but you, you don't really know what you're dealing with. So I think that that is why I, I lean heavily. And once you've got the systems in place, getting the data is easy. Nobody needs to do the work. It's just in front of you. And then then you can make decisions based on that. You often hear business owners say, well, this won't work for me or my business is different in regards to processes and systems. What are your thoughts when you hear that? I mean, what what, what would be your comeback to that? Yeah. So it's a very common thing to say, and and especially the version of it that says my business is too complicated. Mm. I couldn't possibly automate things or put a system in place. It's too complicated. And I use the example in the book of the Porsche 911, where at the time that I wrote the book, you could get the Porsche 911 in whatever color you want. And that's literally whatever color. If you come up with the color, they'll paint it. It comes with 22 engine options. And that's not even going into 
all the rest of the spec that you have choice on. Now, they can produce thousands of these things a week. And I dare say the majority of people who might hear me speak, their business is not nearly as complicated as producing, say, 22,000 911s a week with all that variety. But that, that sort of leads you to, well, okay, how did they get there and how can you get there with your business? And the key thing is to start with a straight line. So let's say, for instance, in real simple terms, as a prospect, I have to raise my hand, you have to contact me, we have to agree to do business, I pay you, you deliver what I've paid for. Now, those milestones exist in every business. So they're the first ones you look at and you say, okay, as long as we know, as long as I can identify who is where in those milestones, I'm a step ahead. And now I can say, okay, well, there are leads that come in who don't agree to do business. What's happened to them? And then you start filling in the what ifs around that. But you just start with a straight line. What do all or 90% of my customers go through? And you, you put that system in place with the, a bit like, a, like an interstate highway system. It's a road, but I can turn off. I can't turn off wherever I want, but where there are towns and places, I can turn off and I can, I don't have to just, once I'm on the, on the highway, that's it until it runs out. And it's the same in our businesses. So I would really push back and challenge and say, okay, yes, at the granular detail, your business is extremely complex. But that's not, we're not saying automate all of that or put a system in to manage all of that. It's just there is a, a level of abstraction where you can put those things in place. And if you want to, just start with those five milestones and know who's, who's where in the milestone. And that's just the starting point. Yeah. I love how your theme throughout this discussion is keep it simple or start small or take a bite out of it first before you yeah. go all in. And, and that's a great way to look at it because it, I think it, hopefully makes people think like, ah, I'll start with here. I'll start with this one little thing before yeah. I go, go bigger. One of the quotes in your book, and it's somewhat self-explanatory, but I loved it. It says, the system runs the business. The staff runs the systems. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that would resonate with people in terms of where they're trying to get to once they implement systems. Yes. So I will give credit where it's due. That came from, I was fortunate enough to be in a one-day mastermind group with Michael Gerber, who wrote The E-Myth. And it, it was a, I mean, it, it's one of those pivotal moments in, in my career, spending a day with him. And, and he talked about that a lot, where if you think about driving a car, now a car is a system, we are abstracted by the system of the steering wheel and the gear stick and the dashboard and the brake and accelerator from the complexity of a car. Because if, if you were asked to keep track of, well, okay, which piston is where, how fast are they moving, at what angle are the wheels pointing at, everything like that, you wouldn't be able to get off the driveway. But because the system is put in place, all you then have to do is learn to drive the system. And then driving a car is easy. And it, it's the same in the business. Once you have that system in place, your team can be slightly abstracted from the, the granular micro details because you've given them the system that they can pull the levers and move things around and achieve the success that you're after. Very cool. Yeah. The e-myth is obviously one of my all-time favorites. That must yeah. have been cool to be in a full day seminar with them. I can only yeah. imagine. 
No, that was it was it was really cool. Very cool. Hey, just a couple of fun ones before we wrap up here. Books. I'd love to know if there's a book you already mentioned one, but if you have another one, I'd love to know a book that you recommend or that has had an impact on you or that you're even reading right now. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think now. And I actually listen to it. I tend to listen to books more nowadays than I read. And it's not a business book. It is a science book, popular science by Lawrence Krauss. It's called The Greatest Story Ever Told So Far. And it's really just, it's, it's, not, it's not a very, it's not a, a tomb, but it's basically just taking us from the Big Bang to where we are today. Interesting. In how light and the universe, and what I love about it is the perspective that it gives me and, and what I got out of it on where I am in, in the big scheme of things. Because what one example he uses, he says, well, take Isaac Newton, arguably the greatest scientist who's ever lived. And definitely when he was alive, probably the smartest person on the planet. But if you, if you transported him to today, he wouldn't know what's going on around him. Right. And it's within that context. And I just, I just really enjoyed it. And, and, and I don't do it justice the way that he describes it and everything, sure. but, but it's as an audiobook or, or reading it, it's, it's, it's really fun and it's just really fascinating. And I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'll check that out. That is interesting when you put it that way. Smartest person in their time, and then you put them into another time and and they'd be lost. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating when you think of it that way. One last thing, in terms of a a business tip or a life tip, anything you can share with us that we can apply? Yeah. So, and again, I'm not going to take credit for this one. Um, (laughs) A friend of mine, a friend of mine, posed this question to me when we in our business, we were trying to solve a problem in a mastermind group. And he posed the question after about a 20 minute discussion. And it just, it's like someone's turned the lights on. And the question is just this, and I've actually, you can't see it, but I've actually got it as a a thing on my wall in the office. And the question is just, can you solve a different problem? And the context of that is just, you're, you're trying to solve this thing over here but is there a different problem you can solve further back that means you don't have to solve this one? And there might be a different problem that's actually easier to solve and that you have a solution for, but it then means this thing that you're grappling with isn't a problem anymore and isn't relevant anymore. So I'd leave that. I'd just, just on a daily basis, ask yourself, can you solve a different problem? So I think what I'm hearing you say is sometimes we get so close to this problem that we're trying to solve. We just get in the total minutia of it that we kind of miss. Maybe if we step back a little bit, there might be one solution that actually covers this little problem that we're tied up into, but actually covers a lot more than that. Is that, is that kind of the, yeah, that's awesome. And just don't get too sucked into the problem yeah. you're trying to solve because a bit of perspective might make it irrelevant. Definitely been there before. <laughs> Hey, so where would you like the audience, uh, if they wanted to find out more about uh, the CRM or about you, where would you like them to go? Also, I'll, of course, put this in the show notes. Yeah, so a couple of places. You can firstly just go to our website, mccantacrm.com, get in touch with us there, or just find me on LinkedIn. I'm quite easy to track down and ask questions. I'm more than happy to jump in and out. 
Awesome. Well, hey, Peter, I love talking with you. I love talking about systems and processes. It's been and great. Your, your, the way your mind works. I loved your book. You just very broke down what could have been considered complex topics uh, into very easy to understand, uh, biteable topics. So I think you did a great job there. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Well, it's it's been great to be with you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that no, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. Touchdown. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.